Apple is widely considered to be the best company in the world when it comes to user experience, which I personally believe is the most critical component of building a usable product. And to illustrate that point, I want to lay the foundation for today's episode by reading a couple of quotes from Steve Jobs and Tim Cook that provide insight into not only their thought processes, but also their approach to building products, which speaks volumes about the innovative culture at one of the world's leading companies. The first quote is from Tim Cook, who said, most business models have focused on self-interest instead of user experience. And the second quote is from Steve Jobs himself, who said that design is not just what it looks like and feels like, design is how it works. And I think if you look at Apple and the products that they develop and the services that they they release, that you'll see that. You'll see the, the user experience bleeding through all the way from the product to uh, the actual physical unpackaging of those products through the design elements, through you know, the entire organization as a whole. It's, it's very well built uh, brand around user experience. And so joining me today to talk about uh, such a critical topic is SaaS Partners' very own Chief Product Officer, Darrell Johnson. You're listening to Guaranteed to Grow, the podcast for entrepreneurs who are looking for actionable steps they can take to validate, test, launch, and scale their software idea. I'm your host, Patrick Parker, a serial entrepreneur and multi-million dollar business owner that's passionate about helping entrepreneurs just like you. Expect to hear topics that will help you grow and expand your business in innovative ways that you would have never considered before. Let's dive in. Darrell, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, man. I appreciate you for having me on here and have a blast. Absolutely. Always fun when we get to connect and talk product. I love it. So, you know, you obviously have an extensive background in and around product development. Uh, so I thought there was no one uh, better qualified to come on here and, and attempt to help us better understand the importance of user experience uh, and the role that it plays in product design. And as a, a kindred spirit and product guy myself, um, Obviously, you know that I'm a big believer in and a, a big advocate of user experience. And I may even go so far as to say that outside of, of knowing your customer, user experience is the most important component of building a successful business and not just a successful product. So, you know, I know my position, you know my position, but I'd love to hear from you as the expert around what goes into building a, a product. So let's just kind of start at the high level and then we'll dive in deeper. Um, you know, so the, the first question I've, I've really got for you is when people are referring to or, or talking about user experience, what are they actually referencing? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you know, here in software, we reference user experience. We refer to it as UX. Uh, but essentially, you know, to define it, it's just a relationship between a user and a particular system. Um, and if you want to define it a little bit further, it's a perceived interaction between a particular user and a product, service, or system. Okay. And so you talk about UX. Uh, we also throw around uh, the acronym of, of UI as well. Mm -hmm. uh, what's the what's the kind of core differences between UI and UX? And is that something that, that works together? Or how does that play out? Sure, absolutely. Uh, well, you know, UX and UI, we always hear them. Uh, they're generally coupled together. Uh, sometimes people refer to them interchangeably, which 
you know, there is a huge difference between the two. Uh, UI generally falls under the umbrella of UX, uh, with UI specifically referring to the user interface uh, of a particular system. You know, UI generally will focus on specific buttons, uh, the placement of the buttons, uh, menus on the screen, icons, or, or other visual artifacts uh, that make up the system. Um, whereas UX, with user experience, refers to the overall interaction between a human or a user and that particular system or product or service, as well as the emotions that are elicited because of it. Okay. Yeah, makes perfect sense. So, and I know I'm, I'm probably guilty of that at times, UI and UX, um, especially when I was starting out uh, mm-hmm. building products. But yep, as it evolves, <laughs> in my knowledge, and luckily I've got some, some great experts like yourself to help educate me and keep me honest uh, with my terminology. So I appreciate that. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that, that listen to this show that are focused on building products. Uh, they're they're mm-hmm. focused on solving problems, building solutions, taking those solutions to market, you know, at what point should people actually start looking at user experience when designing their products? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, when keeping that in mind, uh, when designing a product or, or feature, it should be kept at the forefront um, when you're doing the development. I mean, really, it should go hand in hand. Uh, one thing I like to refer to is, is Lean UX. Uh, you know, there's a whole book on it. Um, a lot of different frameworks reference it uh, within the Agile community. Essentially, with Lean UX, you know, you start with a benefit hypothesis, and uh, essentially that benefit hypothesis looks to define, um, you know, the benefit to a particular user or a business. Uh, from there, you move to a more collaborative design approach. Uh, you know, within that collaborative design approach, you know, traditionally uh, you had a designer, and it was their sole responsibility to do the design. They were the hero, so to say. Uh, so, you know, in the uh, Lean UX, as defined by Scaled Agile, the collaborative design process brings in a various um, various degrees of different people. So you have the designer, which is essentially leading that process. Uh, you have engineers, business owners, other stakeholders, uh, architects. Everyone has a role to play essentially coming up with the design for that particular feature. Uh, and then obviously you have the minimal marketable feature. Uh, and that's the smallest piece or component of that feature, or if you want to refer to it as the entire product, the MVP, uh, that can then be shipped out um, and deployed to market. And once it's out in market, uh, you can get it out into your customer's hands and you can look to evaluate. So you know, during that evaluation, you can... Um, have user surveys, have users essentially uh, evaluate how they feel about using that particular product and see if that uh, product seeks to solve their problem, uh, see if the solution that you've implemented solves their particular problem that you set out to, to solve. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think there's a couple of things there that I, I just want to touch on. Uh, for anyone that's absolutely. listening, we will uh, provide a link within the show notes down to Lean UX. That's something we definitely recommend uh, checking out great framework there that will help you build a better product. Uh, I think that I, one of the other things that you said in there that, that I absolutely love is that design is not just for the product team, right? There's so many other stakeholders that are involved uh, throughout the entire organization. So you have folks from uh, your marketing team, you have your development team, you have your engineers, your product team, you have your owners. There's, there's 
it's literally a company-wide effort, especially in the beginning when you're shipping that initial product to make sure that uh, you have covered all the different angles, that you understand who your customer is, who you're building for, what you're trying to solve. And all of that also translates directly into your minimum viable product as well, right? Absolutely. Awesome. So for, for anyone uh, that is building this product right now or that, that's focusing on building mm-hmm. a product taking it to market, um, if they're trying to design it, refine it, you know, start from scratch, you know, whatever, what should they be looking at in terms of user experience? Where do they start? How do they start? Yeah, absolutely. Well, obviously, you know, we've referenced Lean UX, um, uh, which is a huge part. Um, but if you wanted to take a kind of like a smaller scale, like starting out, uh, something that's referenced in the design uh, in Lean UX rather is design sprints. Um, and, you know, just to find it how they define it, essentially it's a, a five-day process uh, that gathers a team and they seek to define a particular question and then develop an idea and then build a prototype and test it to see uh, if that actually solves the question at hand. You know, this is generally done within a couple of days to a week. Uh, it's, it's extremely useful in getting an idea out and seeing if that idea would potentially work uh, in the market or a real environment. It's not meant to be used to uh, solve every little detail uh, for the MVP or the middle market feature, but it's a great uh, starting point to get teams going in the right direction and get everyone aligned. So basically you're just looking to, to kind of keep it high level and really just focus on that, that prototype. So how, how in depth uh, do you need to get? I mean, is, is these prototypes we're talking about, are these just kind of basic wireframes? Are they, they, functional or clickable? I mean, what's the the best way to kind of start there? Or what do you recommend? Yeah, you have different options. I'd say uh, in terms of just getting something out for the team to kind of just test and, you know, if you want to get some user feedback, uh, I would recommend having a prototype that actually does have clickable button. Now, obviously, you can do a no-code prototype, uh, which is, you know, it's very lightweight and you know, I, I don't know if you'd want to actually have your users using something like that, but I'd say it's something you want to get get something in your users' hands that they can actually touch and feel. Uh, and they might go down a happy path and, and see, you know, what's going to be the end result and are you satisfied that end result? And from there, obviously, you can look to iterate um, and build, lead, probably utilize the lean UX process and build more features uh, or more capabilities that can then be used in video push out to a broader um, market. Sure. And some of the tools that, and you probably use these as well, actually I know you've used some of these because we use these as a company, but but that I absolutely love are, are Framer and uh, Proto.io. Those are two of my favorites. Mm-hmm. So if anyone's looking to, to figure out, both of those have free versions that you can literally go through. And as he was saying, you can build out clickable prototypes. Uh, something that, that just helps assist um, not only in really clarifying your, your vision, but as Darrell said, in answering some of those questions uh, that you're trying to solve for. So I think that's a, a great way, great actionable step that, that people can take and a great product they can use to, to kind of start designing uh, that overall experience. Can you kind of give me some examples just so we can make sure that the people are all on the same page in terms of companies that have really done a, a good job or a great job with their product design? Yeah, absolutely. Well, obviously, you know, we referenced Apple at the beginning. Uh, you know, Apple has the, the software and hardware component. Um, they, they really just get it right. But uh, another company that I would like to reference would be Amazon. Um, you know, one of, the, one of the 
big things I took away from Amazon, uh, you know, their design essentially guided by four key tenets, you know, customer obsession over competitor focus, um, you know, passion for invention, commitment to operational excellence and long-term thinking, which that speaks volumes to, you know, Amazon's approach than being, you know, a top five company in the world. Uh, you know, and here's a fun fact, you know, Amazon pushes new code every single second of every minute. So every single second of every minute, a customer could potentially have a different user experience or interaction with Amazon when they're using, uh, you know, whether it's a mobile app or they're using the web app, whatever the case may be. Uh, you know, obviously Amazon is, is in a bunch of different industries now. You know, they have AWS, you know, you can purchase whatever you want from Amazon, but uh, you know, that just speaks volumes to the continuous exploration and continuous delivery and continuous improvement uh, that they've been doing over the last 10, 20, 30 years. That's unbelievable. I mean, you just, you just think about, you know, how some of these companies have implemented DevOps and the, the ability to push code that frequently and to, to get, you know, new code or, or updates or changes into the hands of their users to collect that feedback. You know, it requires obviously a, a tremendous amount of, of preparation and of, of thought and implementation of processes to, to really capture and, and uh, benefit from that. But absolutely incredible, uh, fun fact right there. So mm-hmm. let's kind of work through some of the things that our listeners can, can take away. Uh, and hopefully, you know, we can talk about some of the, the common mistakes that, that you see entrepreneurs and, and product designers in general making when it comes to, to actually building their products, whether that's an MVP or whether that's, uh, you know, kind of a, a full-fledged offering that's, that's in the marketplace today. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, you know, you and I know this from experience. <laughs> um, there's a lot of mistakes that are that are out there to be made. Uh, I'd say one of the biggest mistakes that entrepreneurs and product designers uh, make is trying to figure out the entire design solution from the very beginning. You know, essentially, they end up doing big design up front, which is you know, very popular with with waterfall, and you know, obviously it has its place. But you know, with the implementation of all these different agile methodologies, you know, you have Scrum, um, all these different processes that we can use and utilize uh, today. That's probably one of the biggest things that, that people uh, miss up when they're you know, looking to build a large scale product or accomplish specific goals. You know, when you do big design up front, it can have diminishing returns on the customer experience, uh, the customer adoption, which you, you know, can result in building something that doesn't even satisfy uh, your customer needs that your customer has. It may satisfy a list of requirements, but not necessarily the problem that your customers might have in a particular market. It doesn't provide any value. That makes sense. So, and that's, I think, where, where Agile comes into to play is that Agile focuses on short uh, functional sprints where you're looking at, at delivering a, a smaller set of the whole, right? In terms of feature sets Precisely. and functionality. Whereas waterfall, you have all these, these huge dependencies and you have to basically get to the end of each phase gate in order to, to begin uh, new. So I, phase, I yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's it. So I think you're right, especially for building out MVPs and when you're, when you're building a product for the first time, agile methodology is definitely the way to go. Um, but I like that advice of, of kind of breaking things down because, you know, that – 
your, your product, especially the product development process, is such an iterative process that you have to have the ability mm-hmm. to, to collect that feedback uh, all the way. And then the other thing is being able to prioritize you know, what's important. Uh, whether that's feature sets, whether that's functionality and being able to, to kind of adapt. And I think that's, you know, as Agile suggests in the name, gives you the agility to kind of change directions um, when you need to do so. So, yeah, I think that's a. Yeah, absolutely. You know, a couple of things earlier that we talked about, you know, with having all of the different stakeholders that are that are kind of involved um, throughout this this user experience and, and design process. Obviously, at SaaS Partners here, we're, we're huge proponents of human-centered design. Um, mm-hmm. that, that's listening that, that may not be familiar you know, with that concept. Can you explain mm-hmm. a little bit about what that is and, and why the outcomes uh, using human-centered design seem to be much more successful than, than the other methodologies? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so, you know, human-centered design, it's, the name is there. Uh, essentially, you know, it's, it's a design methodology that seeks right. to put the needs and the feelings and the emotions and the wants of the customer at the forefront of the particular product or service uh, that is being designed. You know, when products and services are essentially designed this way, uh, it gives the customer a higher sense of perceived value. Uh, that higher perce- sense of perceived value, you know, that that bodes well for the company because the company gets to reap the benefits from that. Uh, they sell more. Uh, they have higher um, customer reviews. You know, customers love that. And because this design was designed solely with the customer in mind, it just gives them a sense of this company really gets me. This product really serves my needs uh, really well. Uh, great answer. And I think just to add to that, you know, obviously coming from from a consulting background before uh, launching SaaS partners and building countless products for clients, when I was doing more mm-hmm. consulting back in the day, you know, one of the problems that, that we ultimately ran into almost every time we delivered a, a product is that, you know, the, the big four way of doing things is basically collect the requirements, then you go and, and build in, in private, and then you come back to the, the customer uh, ready to, to deliver. Yeah, that's not what I want. I that's, that's not what I asked exactly, for. Exactly. <laughs> ready to deliver a product. And so I think that's that's one of the other key differences in this approach is, you know, in this way, you're actually incorporating the end users, the power users, the, the people that are going to benefit from the system, you know, throughout the entire process. So it's you, you never have an opportunity to get to the end uh, and deliver a product without them being included and without them, you know, having the opportunity to provide that feedback um, that's so valuable in actually building a, a product and more importantly, fulfilling a, a requirement and, and ultimately a business need. So that's the only thing I would add there, but, but you're right. I mean, how many times have, have you or, or I, you know, in our previous lives gone through that, that process and it's like, you know, you, you get this big presentation on delivery ready and you're, you're so pumped to present <laughs> it and it just falls flat and it's just crickets. You know, it's, there's nothing worse yeah. than that. Um, and so, that's not what I yeah, asked and Ultimately, <laughs> that's that's why we ended up, up founding this company is we knew there was a better way to do it. And yeah. I think that's, that's you know, a large factor to the success that we've had. Um, you know, one thing one thing that you mentioned that I, I want to touch on, um, you know, which is really, uh, really, it's a mindset thing. Um, yeah. You know, we were, and I do it all the time, we refer to requirements. You know, we, we have to satisfy those requirements. But I, I think a big thing with human-centered design and design thinking is really 
uh, having the mindset that it's not essentially a requirement that you're that you're seeking to satisfy, but it's it's a question or a customer issue or a concern that you're seeking to satisfy. And even then, going a step further, you know, people have issues. I come to you and I have an issue, but that might not be the actual issue. Getting to that root cause of that issue and figuring out, okay, how can I provide a solution that satisfies that issue uh, is, is really you know, a key component of human centered design as well as design thinking. So, yeah, so solution-oriented instead of requirement-oriented, right, which is, is mm-hmm. absolutely outdated way of doing things. Uh, you talked on this a little bit, a little bit too, and, and we were just talking about uh, in terms of human-centered design involving those stakeholders all the way through. Now, obviously, a big piece of that is going to be user acceptance testing um, and, and quality assurance. So, you know, when it does come to user experience uh, and shipping that initial product, how important is testing and, and quality insurance? Oh man, <laughs> you know as well as I know that it's just it's so important uh, just to have a product that actually works the way it, it's intended to work. You know, there's there's nothing worse than getting a product uh, that doesn't work or crashes or <laughs> the. You know, one of the worst things that could ever happen, which we, we've all been there, uh, you know, you get a product from uh, from the team and you're giving a demo and it doesn't work or it just crashes in the middle of the demo. Um, it just fails to deliver the expected outcome. Um, you know, that, that's one of the reasons why I feel like it's imperative that teams adopt uh, agile practices and methodologies, you know, when developing and building products. You know, essentially it, it lends itself to short uh, iterative cycles and, you know, it's and I, I want to make sure that I'm clear. It's it's inevitable that there's going to be bugs and, and defects in software. There is no perfect software. But I, I would say, like, the major takeaway is how quickly can you respond to those issues and how quickly can they be resolved? And I think that is a, a big differentiator there, too, is, you know, even knowing that there are defects, that's why Agile is so important, is because you have those short iterative sprints, you're able to work mm-hmm. in any bug fixes or or you know, any changes very quickly uh, and then push that back out to the product, right? Make that live. Um, Absolutely. Whereas, you know, when you have something as, as Waterfall, for example, that you have all these other dependencies, all these other feature sets, all these other, uh, you know, kind of functional uh, components that are also getting shipped during that same deployment, it's very difficult and it's, it takes a long time to actually be able to introduce those, those fixes for those defects or those bugs into the actual product. Are there any any kind of tools, you know, I, I know you've got a deep bag of tricks over here of, of what we use here, but are there any uh, any tools that people can kind of use to measure the performance or, or adoption of uh, their design? Yeah, absolutely. I, I would say uh, in terms of tools, um, one of the biggest things is probably going to be, you know, obtaining customer and user feedback. Uh, that's, that's extremely valuable uh, in identifying, you know, how your users are using the product uh, or they are they utilizing it in a way that you and your team uh, thought that they would? You know, as a solution uh, that's been implemented, is it accurately delivering the outcomes for your customers as expected? Uh, you know, and some ways to, to verify that, you know, we touched on this a little bit earlier, but essentially observing how a user uh, uses your product. Uh, a perfect example, maybe, you know, you go home, um, you, know, you have friends or family over, they have, they've never seen this product. It's an app on your phone, for example. 
look over their shoulder. Hey, do something for me. How, how do they go through it? What is their, what's their experience essentially with that? Uh, or for instance, um, you can have user surveys where you're essentially you're gaining a survey. Uh, you're rather obtaining a survey from the user and you're looking to see, okay, uh, you can have a particular question set and you want them to answer specific things. Uh, or even analytics where you have those analytics built into the back end uh, of your software and you're looking to identify, you know, what your customer is doing. Um, and I'd say to take it a step further uh, with the analytics, you can do A-B testing. Uh, where you push out a certain set of features to one set of users, certain set to another, and you, you identify, uh, you know, with analytics to, to see, you know, how are the users responding uh, to that particular features, how are they using the features, um, and you know, essentially, are they actually using them in the way that they that they're intended to? Yes. And I know I've seen you do this a lot uh, as well, and, and our, I know our clients are extremely familiar with this. But even uh, A/B testing the UI as well, right? Different button placement. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously, you have a certain way that people engage with a website, right? Usually, top to bottom, mm-hmm. left to right. Absolutely. You know, making use of that real estate um, effectively is what's extremely important. So I know that you often experiment with button placement and things of that nature, trying to to really pull people into the the core feature sets and, and the I guess the the functionality or the features they're going to provide the most value, especially when they're starting out. Um, one of the other products that, that we use here at SaaS Partners, and, and I'll I'll just cover this one because I, I absolutely love it. Uh, is something called Hot Dog. <laughs> Hot Jar is a, a great product. If you're not familiar with it, it basically creates a heat map uh, of your site and where your users are going. So where their cursor drags to, uh, where they're scrolling to, what links they're clicking on, so that you can really get a strong idea of, you know, how they, of how intuitive your your product is, and then how they ultimately are using your product. And so that's something that you can capture each of the user sessions on as they're using your product and, and really get a good idea of, of how well you've laid things out. And again, I know you, uh, Darrell, get a ton of, of great information and, and analytics from that tool, and that ultimately helps drive things forward in terms of, of product-led growth and, and so many other things that we'll kind of stay away from just for time's sake. I know you've got a, a ton of thoughts on, on product-led growth as well, but you know, as we're kind of wrapping up here, if if our listeners forget everything else that you said, you know, over the course of uh, this discussion, you know, what's the one major takeaway that you want to make sure that they walk away with today? I'd, I'd say that probably the, the major thing would be uh, always remember to make it simple. An acronym that I've coined is MIS or MISS. You know, it's inevitable that you're going to fail. It's, I hate to say that, but it's inevitable that you will fail. But the point is, you want to fail often and you want to fail early. Uh, don't overcomplicate the design or your features. Do just enough just to get your product uh, or idea to market, uh, you know, via uh, minimal marketable features and minimal viable products. Uh, and over time, as long as you've taken an iterative approach, the simplicity will lend itself uh, throughout your product designs. You know, a big thing is good product design doesn't always get the credit that serves because it just works. You go to a door, you don't ask anyone how to use it. You know, it opens and it closes. But poor design will always leave a bad impression. Yeah, absolutely. I think, what, what a great analogy with a door. I mean, it's, it's yeah, it's design. You know how it works. You're familiar with it. And I think that's something else that 
you know, you do an incredible job of with the products as well, is just using the, the design patterns and features that people have become familiar with. Um, you know, when you're looking mm-hmm. at, at building a product, the chances are that for a lot of the stuff that you're building, uh, someone else has already done it before you. So being able to, to kind of take mm-hmm. away uh, the lessons learned and the things that other people have done well in order to, to contribute to you building a better product is something that's, that's absolutely paramount. But something else you said in that, that last, uh, last exchange reminded me of, of Reed Hoffman's uh, famous quote about, you know, if you're not embarrassed by your first iteration, then you launch too late. I think that just goes back to what you were saying. <laughs> fail, fail early and fail often. Um, Again, that's, yeah, that's how absolutely. you get that that coveted feedback, and and really understand how well your product is is taken in the market, how intuitive it is, and and everything else that you need to to actually go forward being successful. So, Darrell, th- thanks so much for joining me today, uh, and obviously sharing your expertise with our audience. Absolutely, I really hope that they took some notes, and uh, we'll start seeing you know them build some better products uh, as a result in the future. If there's uh, anyone out there right now looking for help in designing their products, um, how can they connect with you, Darrell? Yeah, absolutely. Um, find me on LinkedIn, uh, Darrell Johnson. Uh, as discussed uh, earlier, you know, I'm the chief product officer here at Slash Partners. Um, you can also reach out to me via email. Uh, that information will be uh, in the podcast yeah, description. We'll put all that stuff in the show notes. I'll, I'll link your uh, LinkedIn as well, as well as that uh, Lean UX uh, Scaled Agile Framework we were talking about. And before we leave, I just want to give a big thanks to everybody uh, joining in. And as always, like, comment, and share with an entrepreneur that you know that's trying to build a world-class product. Uh, until next time, I'm your host, Patrick Parker. It's been another great episode of Guaranteed to Grow. Once again, thank you so much for taking the time to listen in on today's episode. I had a blast recording it for you, and I hope that you found some really great takeaways. 